Welcome to Fearless Mom. We are so excited to have a special guest with us today. Dr. Nicole Fitzpatrick will be joining us. We have so many questions for her, but first we want to start by welcoming in our online moms. Online moms, our prayer is that you feel a group of moms in Austin cheering you on. Let's cheer for them. That you remember, if you're watching with a group, we're cheering you on. But especially if you are by yourself, we want to remind you that you are not alone. That, um, as Troy Bolton says, we're all in this together. So let's um, pray and get started. God, we thank you so much for today. We thank you, God, for the gift of technology that allows us to connect with so many moms. We thank you, God, for the gift of the local church where we can come together and gather together to support one another, to lock arm in arm and to cheer one another on. God, I ask right now that you do something only you can do, that you remove distractions, that you... Um, open our eyes and our ears so, so that we can see and hear what you want us to learn today so that we can be the moms we were created to be, to raise our children, to be the men and women that you've created them to be. God, settle our hearts in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Now, Dr. Nicole, I'm just going to tell you that we are pretty pumped to have you here today. I kind of feel like she's our very own, you know, Dr. Phil. And um, she's with us every year, sometimes twice a year. Um, We've been talking a lot about our personal responsibility. The values of Fearless Mom, number one, is to eliminate shame. There is no shame in our parenting game. We believe that mistakes are only wasted if you keep them to yourself. And shame is like mold. It grows in the dark. So we bring it into the light, your mistakes, your struggles, your problems. And this is a safe place for you to do that. And then our second value is to embrace responsibility. So we've been talking a lot about choices we can make and actions we can take to change the way our lives are if we're not happy with them. To say out loud, I think my marriage can be better and I want to do something about it. To say out loud, I do not believe that I'm living the full life that God created me to live and I want to do something about it. We embrace that responsibility. We talk a lot about marriage, but we talk about what we can do to make our marriages better. Not, wow, I'm going to show this video to my husband. You know, it is about what we can do. We embrace the responsibility. And we've been talking a lot about our responsibility for our own emotional, spiritual, physical, and financial health. And so that's what we're going to be talking a lot about today. So I'd love to just jump right in. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, your training, your family? Sure. Hi. It's so great to be with you all again. So many familiar faces out in the crowd and new ones. It's just so great to be with you guys and to be with everyone online. Uh, I'm Dr. Nicole. I direct the Hyde Park Counseling Center here in town. I'm a mother of two boys. And they keep me very busy. And the wife to John David. And we just, um, we love Austin. I love everything about it. I'm a native Californian, but I came out here to do grad school and stayed. I married a native Texan, so that's fun. And um, I've lived well with anxiety probably for 41 years, you know. And so that's kind of my story. And um, I feel like I can help people from a professional standpoint as well as a personal platform because I know what it's like to have a panic attack. I know what it's like to wake up in the middle of the night with cold sweats and not be able to sleep and not be able to eat and worry and wonder and wait for the feelings to pass. So I feel like by God's grace and because of my story, I'm able to use it for his glory. And so each day is an opportunity to encourage, empower, and um, educate women, men, children, boys, girls, for um, what God has passionately purposed each of us to do. Because every feeling we have, God wants to use for good. And so I hope that we learned something about that today. Absolutely. We're going to jump right in. So I'd love for you, with your um, training, with your, uh, you know, experience and your degrees, can you explain to us exactly what is anxiety, what is depression, and at what point is it um, necessary that you believe to get outside help? How does a mom know? You know, how do I know when I need help? Because when you talk to your friends, they're like, oh, I feel that way too. Or when you talk to your friends about depression or you read the 80 
84 blogs posted about it. I feel that too. Mm -hmm. So at what point do we or should we reach out to get professional help? Those are great questions. I think there's a real important distinction that we want to make between feeling depressed and depression and feeling anxious and anxiety because every one of us in here has felt anxious, right? Hello? Yes. <laughs> Silent hand raise over there. <laughs> every one of us has felt depressed, right? We may not have depression. And so that's the distinction is, okay, when does it kind of hit that tipping point where you go from, you know, normal stressors and normal sad to something that really is dysfunctional? And so um, anxiety and depression, really, you can think about of two sides of the same coin. Anxiety really in our world um, is highly praised, honestly. When it looks like you can do a million things, you don't need a lot of sleep, you can work through lunch, you can mother all morning and not do and go, 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 the world will tell you, man, you're rocking it. You are doing awesome. And really that feeds this underlying feeling of anxiety. You actually get a pat on the back saying, wow, you're my go-to person. I can count on you if I need, you know, 50 copies made at 10 at night before Fearless Mom tomorrow. You're on it. My <laughs> wonderful assistant's on the front row. She knows. I've texted her like, I had a dream. I was double booked and I missed both appointments. And then you went dark. So I need to talk to you about that. She did that this weekend. I'm like, I had a dream. I was double booked. Nothing. But then Monday she comes back and goes, okay, you know, it's okay. It's not the same date. So God wanted me to live with that for a few days. Anyway, side note. Uh, I worked through it and I had released it. I'm like, even if I'm double booked, God is good. Anyway, so in those moments we're praised, right, for the anxiety. And, and it almost starts to become the silent struggle. A lot of anxious people, it's interesting, um, it's the most common mental illness affecting more than 40 million people, 18% of our population, with only thir a third of those getting any professional help. So 18% of the population suffers from, are you mm -hmm. saying now, the clinical? Clinical anxiety. Clinical anxiety. Mm -hmm. So the point at which someone right. truly needs professional help, 18% suffer from it and one-third get help. Yeah. And that's because of this whole misnomer that like, well, it's functional. It's not that bad. You're getting that affirmation, even though internally you're revving so high that you almost, you know, people that begin to really understand that they're clinically implicated by anxiety, they have the racing thoughts. They can't, their mind is revving so much that they can't slow it down. They have to take, you know, copious amounts of, you know, Benadryl, lavender, soaking themselves to try to go to sleep. They don't sleep well. They don't eat well. They start to isolate from people. They're people, people often. They like people, but they don't really want to be that close anymore. So they begin to isolate and insulate. And that is that breeding ground, that mold, as you were saying, to um, I can't tell anyone. What if someone found out? And it just begins... The devil starts to lie to us, honestly, ladies. And if you're listening from home and you're struggling with anxiety and your mind's racing and you're in isolation and you don't know what to do, the best gift you can give yourself is to tell someone. And first, we have to be aware of it ourselves, right? We have to say, I'm suffering here. I don't like my life anymore. On the outside, it may still look really pretty. Other people may be like, you're really rocking it. You're getting things done. Your kids always look so cute. This, that, the other. But you know you, and God knows you. And in those recesses of your mind, in those quiet places, are you able, as Psalm 4610 says, to be still and know that he is God? That's the litmus test for someone is to experience that stillness. Now, we don't all live there, but we need to be able to go there. Absolutely. And I think if you are wondering, do I need help? There's no harm in meeting with a counselor. So if you are at the point where you're thinking, I don't know, I don't know if I need help. I don't know if this is normal. For crying out loud, make an appointment and talk to a professional. Talk to someone and say, is this normal? Mm -hmm. They are yeah. the ones who know. There is no shame in getting help. And sometimes, yes, you will have to pay. It is worth, the sooner the better mm -hmm. and the sooner the less expensive. Right.
right? Uh, you know, and, and so it will affect Make it a check other up rather than a long term treatment yes. plan. I mean, it, it, I, I think the sooner you get help, or if it's my teenager, does he need help? Make the appointment. Yeah. What, what harm is there? Whether you're in making four or 44, whether there, there you're 18 no or 80, you know, there is no harm in making appointments for yourself. No shame in our parenting mm-hmm. game. It, there, if you're wondering, is this normal? Am I supposed to be living like this now? So if you're wondering, just go ahead and make your mm-hmm. appointment. Yeah. Okay. And then um, a little bit about depression. depression as well. Yeah. So interesting that you said um, about speaking it out into the light, Mm -hmm, you know, is what kills the mold. A mom literally said to me, I met with a mom about her postpartum depression. And she said, literally, I began to tell people I had postpartum depression. She said, every time I said it out loud, I felt like it had less power over me. Mm. And so she began to use it to help others. And in that she regained her own power, Mm. you know, and it lost its power. She said, every time she said it out loud, it's amazing. Well, that's just, I mean, That's the misnomer, is that if we talk about it, it's going to get bigger. And in fact, that's the lie from the enemy to keep us from sharing and in shame. And so um, the believer, there's no shame. There's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. There, There can be guilt, though. Guilt says, I've done wrong. Well, you know what? It's wrong to not share. There you go. That's what you should have, a little bit of healthy guilt, you know, like, wow, I'm living with this burden. I need to share this. I need to share this with my spouse. I need to share this with a counselor. I need to um, get the help I need so I don't inadvertently share it with my kids. Because you know how that comes out? Anxiety and anger can have the same ringtone. And that's where the mom that's chronically irritable or the kid that's like, Mom, why are you always so mad or why are you yelling? Those are some symptoms, ladies, of that anger coming out and manifesting in a way that you're sharing that with your kids, but not in a healthy and holy way. So just something to think about. In depression, you know, it's really, the crossroads is when you're two weeks of really hopeless, helpless discouragement, can't get out of bed, dragging, not motivated, slower at things that used to be faster. Um, At its worst, you can have thoughts of just not wanting to live and ending your life. That's suicidal ideation. Um, You can just have thoughts of like, you know, hopelessness. It would be better if I wasn't here. It it, It would be better for everyone if I just went away. And I think that's where you can have a time of depression, especially after critical life events. That's why postpartum depression is so prevalent. Another one is, um, you know, premenstrual dysphoria. That is really, really a big deal with hormonal changes in women. It's having that sad, sad space, you know. But then it's like, well, you're sad a week before your cycle kind of during the cycle, then you're recovering from those two weeks, then you have one glory week, (laughs) and then back to the cycle, right? And so, I mean, you don't want to be a slave to any of that, right? We're a slave to the Lord. And so, like, asking God, I don't want to just live miserably and miserly in this. I want to live victoriously. God has called us to be more than conquerors through hormones, through anxiety, over depression, The key is acknowledging it, being aware, and getting the help that you need so that you can understand. Are you one that runs high, which would be more the anxious profile, or are you one that kind of idles low? Knowing that about yourself, what are those seasons? What have been your own seasons of sorrow? Being willing to look those in the mirror, being willing to talk with people about that. It doesn't mean you're a bad person or you don't know how to deal with emotion if you've had a season of sorrow or you've had a season with anxiety the best thing to do is integrate that and understand it and then use your own story to encourage someone else because you know what if I don't share with you and you think I have it all together am I really someone you want to come talk to no (laughs) if I have it all it's like well she she won't understand well you know she's a feelings doctor she has to you know you know she studied this so she's an expert no I'm an expert because I felt the feelings guess what 
you're an expert too, you're an expert too, you're an expert too. And the more we grow in the understanding and the fullness of who God's created to be and integrate our mad, our sad, our bad, our anxiety, and understand, even if, say, we did the inventory and we won't call anyone out to come and go through the checklist of symptomatology with anxiety or depression, but say we did and it was like, yep, textbook, generalized anxiety. Now what? Right? A diagnosis is a defining moment, but it does not define you. A diagnosis, it's a defining moment, but it does not define you. You have to realize that your identity, and we've made some sheets that we'll share with you today, and they perhaps were on your seat. Your identity is in Christ. And so the time when I was diagnosed with anxiety, and I'd had the CAT scan, the MRI, and all the tests to be told, ma'am, you had a panic attack, It was unsettling, but it was a defining moment for me. I now had something I knew I could do something with. It actually helped me feel freedom and hope to take that next step and go to the counselor and say, wow, I mean, it gives me the chills thinking about it. There's hope. And so that's where, wherever you are in that journey, as Julie mentioned, as you mentioned, it's so important to just go check in with someone. You know, what do you think? What is going on? Because regardless of whether you have clinical anxiety or depression or not, you have to learn to live well with stress and sad regardless. I totally agree. You ha- Everyone yeah. will feel stress. Right. Everyone will feel sadness. We talk a lot about how to teach our children how to process emotions. And last week I mentioned that, you know, I, I'm a big believer in it and I can, you know, help you help your kids process those emotions. But rarely do we talk about how to validate our own emotions. And so I think a lot of times when you're talking about um, self-awareness and being aware of your own emotions, that's the first step. And we say all the time, you know, validate, separate, educate. So validate the emotion. We, you talk to your kids about it. Separate emotion from behavior, feeling from action, and then educate yourself on what now. Instead of why me, we say what now. Because it, it may be a tragedy. It may be um, a diagnosis that you're thinking, you know, a panic attack. Oh, my word, I thought I was strong. I thought I was, you know, a go-getter. What does this mean about me that I am, what, human? I am like everyone else. And so now you say, not why me, but what now? And get some help. Speak it. Bring it into the light. So the self-awareness and the speaking it, I think, is huge. And acknowledging when you're not doing well. So many times as moms, we think, I don't have time to mess with this right now because I've got too many other things on my plate. You don't have time not to mess with it. You will be a better mom next year if you take care of yourself right now. You will be a better wife next year if you take care of yourself right now. It is not wasted time. It is invested time. We know that in God's economy, nothing is wasted. Not even tragedy. Nothing is wasted. All things will be used for his glory and our good. In his economy, nothing is wasted. But if we're going to eliminate shame and embrace responsibility, if you're not where you believe you should be, and this, you know, it may not be clinical depression. You may be listening and thinking, you know, that's not me. You know, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and life to the full, an overflowing life, an abundant life. And so if you're not there, which is, you know, God's design and desire, then say something or do something. Don't wait until it's clinical depression. Do not wait until it is clinical anxiety. Do something now. So speaking of, what are some things that we can do? to help fight anxiety and depression. Some things we talk a lot about taking responsibility for our emotional health, our financial health, our physical health, our spiritual health. What are some things that we can do in our everyday life that can help fight off anxiety and depression? That's a great question. I think one of the things we have to realize is, and we've talked about it today, but I'm just going to underscore, is that God is in control. Uh, Control is an illusion, but we do have influence. And so that's where you want to use your influence in healthy and holy ways. And I love the scripture, Psalm 34:18. God is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. And I think that's the reality is that the Lord, our faith grows 
when we're working through something hard. You know, the mountaintops are great and we love those, but there's so much to gain and grit and growth in the valley. And I think that's the key is embracing the season you're in. As scripture says, in everything there is a time and a season. And surveying what is the season of my life right now? What are the emotions? You may just define your season by the age of your kids or, you know, fall, right? It kind of feels fall today, which feels great. Um, or, you know, um, chronological age, you know, but really the season of life, think about it. God's eternal. We live in the temporal. It's so much more than that. Let the Lord love you and fill in with technicolor. What is the season of feeling that I'm in? What's my thought life like right now? What am I thinking about God in this season? What am I thinking about myself in this season? What am I thinking about my spouse in this season? What are my thoughts about my kids in this season? So think about that from the think thinker, right? Then I like to think about feelings, right? What are the feelings associated with those thoughts that I'm having? And then what are the actions that I want to take in light of that? That can really help to ascertain, wow, I'm feeling sad in a lot of these areas, or I'm feeling mad in a lot of areas, or I'm feeling stuck in a lot of these areas, or I'm feeling excited in a lot of these areas, or happy in these areas, okay? Happiness is based on happenings, joys of the Lord. And so it's so amazing when I can be meeting with someone that has clinical depression or anxiety, and they have joy, That's because joy transcends circumstances. When we're focused on the pit, there isn't a pit that the Lord's not deeper still. I love that quote by Corey Tim Boone. There's no pit that the Lord's not deeper still. So even under that, the Lord is wanting to use this for good in your life. So what are some things you can do? Remind yourself of who you are in Christ. Remind yourself of who you are. Take those thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. I'm feeling this way. That's why having done that journaling, I brought my journal just to, you know, to just let you know. Having that dialogue through writing is such an important way to connect with our Heavenly Father and connect with our own heads, hearts, and what's going on in our home. So I really encourage journaling. Um, the anxious brain, it's hard to settle to journal. I like to encourage voice memos for you anxious folks where you can just free associate on the, on the voice memo. And then you can go back and listen to it and take some notes. It really is a powerful exercise because people say, well, I'm not a journaler. Okay, well, what are you? Are you a colorer? Are you someone who likes to think in pictures? Are you someone who likes to do music or play the guitar or be like, oh, yeah, I used to do that before kids. Oh, yeah, I used to do that before. Well, guess what? This is your season. You may have a little one. You know, you may have a high schooler. You may have both. You know, you may be in that situation where, you know what, you could say, oh, I used to. But what are you going to do now? That's the key is how to live in the now as God helps you with the not yet. And that is the key. And I think there are things to do. Align yourself with other believers. Align yourself with people that are going to encourage you. You can know the people that their narrative is all about what's going wrong or stress or, you know, the next event, the next, the next. And you're like, that's exhausting, you know, and you smile and nod and you can play the part, but that's not life-giving. It's life-giving when we can just sit and soak and share. And that is a huge part of also just living well with anxious or depressed feelings. And it's just about um, taking responsibility for your emotional health and making the choices and taking the actions that you need to do to stay healthy. Mm -hmm. And so self-awareness is so important. And then being aware of uh, and then being intentional about what you are taking in. You know, to whom are you listening? What music are you listening mm-hmm. to? What are you um, watching? What are you watching on mm-hmm. TV? I, you know, I, Mac told me that I could no longer watch America's Most Wanted mm-hmm. because I would yeah. 
where I saw Good that call. person at church. Sorry. I mean, or like there was some, you know, baby that hadn't been seen. And I'm like, that looks just like that kid in the four-year-old room. Yeah. What was the date of that kidnapping? You know, I mean, I was always solving crimes. Yeah. I am the person who yeah. like writes down the license person plates. never watches that show. Okay. Right. Just saying. Mac know, would be like, what are you once. doing? And I'm like, this is based on a true story, you yeah. know? And he's like, wow. Okay. Stop. No more shows for you about that. And because it was just, we said, you know, the choices that you make, are they fueling your fear or are they fueling your fight? And it was fueling Mm -hmm. my fear. And that was a choice that I made. Yeah. I can choose to fuel my fear or fuel my fight. And so I now have to be aware of what I am putting in my brain, aware of the people that I'm hanging around, aware of the music I'm listening to. And I'll tell you what, I told you guys last week that I took a break from social media. I'm not even a person that compares. Uh, That's not um, something I I, um, am usually not even aware of what I'm doing, much less of what other people are doing. You know, it's a gift and a curse. But, um, but I thought, okay, I'm going to be teaching on choices. We're going to be talking about this. I want to see how it really does affect me. And so I took two months off social media, took it off my phones, took it off, um, you know, my laptop, everything. I didn't have access to it. It was amazing. It was amazing how I realized, wow, I was spending, because if I'm sitting at a stoplight, if I'm sitting at, you know, at a table waiting for Mac to get there for lunch, whatever, I'm picking up my phone and I'm checking it. It was just a reflex. It was a habit. And so I was talking to my sister about it and it was so funny. I said, man, you know what I realized is like on social media, if I am um, like ready for a vacation On social media, it looks like everybody and their dog is spending a month in Bermuda, you know. I I lose all rational thought. If I'm unhappy, you know, with my marriage, then probably it's going to look like, you know, everybody's honeymooning, you know. Or if I'm unhappy with my home, it's going to look like everybody has a 10,000 square foot house decorated by Joanna Gaines, you know. And and that's because it's not reality, but that's what I begin to see. And I begin to realize that I'm not even a person that usually is aware, but being away from it, I saw that I wasn't like, I haven't even gotten back on yet. And yesterday was Mac's birthday. I should have posted whoops. You know, I'm, I'm not used to it yet. And it's amazing what that social media just always, I don't even think we're aware of when we're comparing. I don't even think we're aware of it. Well, it's a new it's a new level. It's taken it to a new level of comparison. I think historically, I mean, for for years and years and years, we can trace it back to Adam and Eve, you know, of the sin of comparison has always been there. But I think now it's just so magnified by all of the ways that we can be aware and more aware and more than we'd ever want to be aware of our sense of um Really, we are adequate in Christ, so we're not inadequate. So if we're going in there and thinking, oh, okay, I'm inadequate or I don't have a lot going on, what is your litmus test? What are you comparing yourself to, your life to? And if your standard is something that you're seeing on TV or on social media, that does not line up with the Word of God. And I think that's just, a, it's, a, it's a subtle trap that it doesn't, it's not saying go off everything, but I think I do encourage fast. I think that's a great thing to do. I do that myself. Um, but you have to have good, you have to know your heart in when you're pursuing that. Give yourself permission to pursue it in a planned, mindful way. Mindlessness with media equals misery. Uh-oh. Can you repeat that, please? I think so. Mindlessness with media equals misery. Didn't. Hashtag Dr. Nicole Fitzpatrick. I just started an Instagram, so I mean, I'm kind of like love hate, but I will really, tag you. Okay, okay, tag me on that. And by we, um, I mean Ashley right. Carroll. Okay, good. <laughs> and so, um, but it's it's the mindfulness, okay? And so what are some things you can do to live well with anxiety and depression? Be more mindful. I gave you a tool to kind of literally make a sheet of thought, feeling, action. Thinker, feeler, chooser. Those are the three main components of your soul, right? Think about what is my season of life right now? What am I struggling with? What am I satisfied in? 
the best antidote for depression and anxiety is gratitude. I think that's one thing, to remember God's goodness to you, remember his promises, remember just the blessing of a fall day, the blessing of a um, cup of coffee, the blessing of fill in the blank of a, you know, regardless of where you are in your parenting journey, the blessing of being able to mother, the blessing of parenting. Um, Even in the midst of the most difficult storm, we can praise. And I think one of the things that is really important for um, anyone struggling with depression or anxiety is to live in what is rather than fear what if. The what is is the I am. And God is so clear in his word that he is the I am. He calls himself that. And when we live in the I am, we can live content that there's a reason and a season for whatever you're going through right now. And the what if only leads to pain, more misery, the woulda, coulda, shouldas, if only, when I, if I, can I, will I, question mark, question mark, question mark. The I am lives in the now. It's finished, period. It's done. And if you don't know the word of God, it can be a very slippery slope to more misery and pain and shame. And so the best thing to do is root yourself in the promises of God so you can experience the glory of God and know his purpose. But just a second, I want to talk about kind of even in our brains where anxiety and depression are rooted. And I think, um, you know, especially with anxiety, um, the signals, the impulses of the anxious person come from the amygdala, okay? And if you've heard me talk before, I talk about the amygdala. It's the size of an almond, okay? Everybody here's an almond, okay? And that's not very big, right? Um, But that's shooting a lot of messages to the front. It's the center of our fight or flight, okay? And really, that's where all this what-if nonsense lies. And so what I believe that the Lord wants to do, I I really like to think of it as the valley of our brain. Just even think of this. Um, From a neurocognitive structure, the back to the front. And really what we need to do when we're having those thoughts, those impulses, those what-ifs, is to bring that forward. The vehicle for doing that is living in what is and saying, okay, right now I'm going to choose to bring this forward and I'm not going to focus on what-if. I'm not going to focus on what what I would have done or should have done or could have done. And that's horrible and hard for parents, right? When you have the blow-up, when your anger gets the best of you, when you go passive and you get permissive and you just say, whatever, those aren't our, that's not our highlight reel, right? That's definitely not what we're putting on social media. If you are, then everybody's like, ooh, wow, you know, and then I may be getting a private message later, you know? But those are the kinds of things that you have to kind of be aware of, like, don't let the enemy lie to you and keep you back here, keep you in the back row, Okay, that's why I love everybody's right here in the front. Don't go all the way back. Bring it forward and let the Lord love you well because that's where our frontal lobes are. That's where the seed of decision making is. That's where our cognitive, we're higher order, higher functioning humans. God created us like that. He's such, he's so amazing like that. And so really work on a way to bring it forward. I've kind of told you all before, but with your kids even, help them bring it forward. We don't have to be a slave to our amygdala and those impulses. I'm going to start telling my kids that. Don't be a slave to your amygdala. Yeah. I mean, those are some fancy. I'll spell it later. I'll spell it on the website. Don't be a slave to your amygdala. You know, perfect love casts out all fear. I'm not going to live in fear. I'm going to live in the love of God who fearfully and wonderfully made me. Boom. And you you actually do this. I mean, I started yeah. doing it one time when you taught. I don't know. I know some of the other moms. I've seen them do it, too. You just use the signal, like, yeah. to your kids. Right. If it's they're like, living in the what Especially if, if we're on the front row at church with some nonverbal gesturing, okay? That's right. Not exactly the smile. Well, sometimes a real toothy <laughs> the, smile with, me, the with greens. You know, but it's one of those things where when you realize that, you're like, okay, signal. Because we all need signals, right? There's some things that we just need reminders. And I love that about God's word. It always is something new when we read it. It's always a reminder of his love and goodness to us. And that's why it's nice to have scriptures up, scriptures in your car, scriptures on your phone. You know, get those verses of the day. Subscribe to those, um, you know, blogs that you love. But also choose the ones you want to focus on. Because I think if we subscribe to everything, we don't ever 
become intentional about anything. And so really just say, okay, I'm maybe right now you're here and you're like, wow, I'm oversubscribed right now. I'm not reading any of it. Narrow it. Ask the Lord, which one should I stay connected to for this season? After you do your thinking, feeling, choosing exercise, what now? Where do you want to encourage me, Lord? How do you want to grow me right now? What are the authors? What are the books I need to read? I think I've told you all I have that stack of books on my bed. Well, I got a new bookshelf, so I've been intentional in not having the big stack, okay? It's somewhere in the home. It's just not right there. I don't say goodnight to it anymore. But I have two things, right? I have my Bible and I have my journal. Because at the end of the night, the thing that I need to connect with most isn't what someone else has to say about prayer or what someone else has to say about First Peter, not that there's anything wrong with that, but I need to let God love me and connect with me so that as I go to sleep, I can just sense, okay, Papa, we're good, and I'll see you tomorrow. And I think that's where the more we let go of distractions, the more we don't even have our phones in our bedrooms, ladies, get an alarm clock. I'm sick of people coming in and going, I use it for my alarm. I'm sorry. No. You know? They we still did sell alarm in the clocks. 80s yeah. without phones and alarms. You know, get an alarm clock, especially if your struggle is media mind. Get an alarm clock. But that's a great point, though, about when you turn everything off. Because if you're struggling with sleep, if your children are struggling with sleep, now be intentional with your routine, intentional with what you're filling your mind with just before bed. And some of you just before bed may start at 5 p.m. It may take you hours to unwind. And that's okay. We are all, you know, this is one thing we say. We are all created with different capacities. I love that I have friends who have super high capacities and they can just go, go, go. They have, you know, 18 children a garden and you know like their own clothing they come at their own cookbook I'm like that is awesome we eat dinner at six are you gonna drop mine off you know that that'd be great if you could just include me in that but I'm not that's not my capacity I have a certain capacity you know how I know God is so gracious to me and recognizing my capacity he gave me my children on the same birthday you know 9694 9696 he's like that girl I need to go easy on her yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, she's struggling as is. And so I, I it's, yeah, I just recognize my capacity. Mm-hmm. Now that doesn't lower the bar for what I'm expected to do. Right. I'm right. still responsible for, you know, doing my best to do what I can to remember and be thoughtful. Um, but I recognize and celebrate people with more capacity and have compassion for people with less capacity. That's when we know we're, we're content, but that's about self-awareness. When we live content, I can be excited with you, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn, as scripture says. I don't have to compare and be like, I don't have enough joy. Wow, I'm not sad enough. I did That didn't grieve me as much as you. Whatever that is, that you can have contentment in and through all things. That's really the mercy seat where you know that like you're great. Because you're knowing you're spending a moment with a friend connecting. The goal is connection, not comparison. If we go into our conversations and our connections just wanting to connect... That's great. The goal is connection, not comparison. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you what, good friends mourn with those who mourn, but great friends celebrate with those who celebrate. Yes. It is really Mm -hmm. difficult. That's when you know I'm going for connection and Mm -hmm. not comparison. If you can celebrate for someone who is doing, maybe even achieving what you wanted to achieve, maybe even living the life that you wanted to live. Now they've got that life. It's about connecting, not comparing. And connecting. If you are on social media, which obviously I don't think it's of the devil. I think it can be used for good. We believe that it's part of why fearless mom is going to reach in and, um, you know, remove isolation using social media, but we're trying to be intentional with it. And you mentioned to me earlier when we were talking um, before about, um, I said, you know, what if we just took it off our phones 
And then we said, because sometimes you have to do it. You have to do it. Maybe that's how the school keeps you informed. Maybe that's how the church keeps you informed. And so part of it, you know, being aware, it, it, you have to be on social media. But you said be intentional about it. And so tell me what you mean by that. Giving some boundaries, I think Right, you setting your, um, well, just like if you're at a restaurant, you're there to meet with your husband. You're there for that meeting. You're not there to mindlessly peruse, you know, what's going on in other people's lives in that moment. You know what I mean? You're or there, what people want you what to people, think is yeah, going on right, in their uh-huh, lives. A fraction, a sliver, Because a people snapshot. post what they want their life mm-hmm. to be. Yeah. And um, you are comparing your real life to their highlight reels. Right. And that is not always well, accurate. There's no, right. And even if that moment, you know, even in the moment that someone posts, and it is a highlight reel, and it is really happening, and they're not trying to want you to perceive them in any particular way, the bottom line is life is about highs and lows. And that vehicle, that venue through social media doesn't allow the full picture. It just doesn't. By nature of what it was created for, it does not allow the full picture. And so that's where you can't make speculations on your full picture based on a snapshot of their picture. And that's what I think is so important to realize. It's not a full picture experience and it's not meant to be that and so don't read in uh, to that in a way that creates a full picture for you of what's not going on because what you'll do is you'll end up feeling worse about yourself and think that their life's amazing and that's wrong because they're going to think the same about you when they look at yours it, it does the same way okay and you can say all day long well you don't know I post real stuff okay I post real stuff. I don't post all that. Well, somebody else thinks, even if I post the most real posts, somebody's going to go, wow, look, she's so awesome that she's posting vulnerable things. Gosh, she's amazing. She's amazing. She's so vulnerable. Ugh. You know, I mean, I think those are the things, like, no matter what, you're, you're darned either way. You know, like, if you're super vulnerable, you're like, wow, or ooh. Or if you're, like, super perfect, it's like, ooh, wow. You know, it goes both ways. And so you just have to realize that's a fragment of the story. And just, you know, honor it for that. If you can have good, um, just sense of what it is and what it's not for you, great. And there's seasons of life. We're getting into the busiest time of year, right? This is the breaking point from now to Christmas, right? It's the most wonderful time of the year. It's the most wonderful. We'll sing later. But, you know, I love it. But there's so much going on. So really focus on being present over pictures, over people, over pleasing over any of that, over your phone, you know, be present over those things, whatever your P is, okay? And I think that will help with your FOMO, right? Be a bebop, you know? Think about, like, how I can be present over people, how I can be present over pictures. I don't care that you had the most beautiful pick of your kids and the pumpkins. You know, to get that, there was a lot of stress involved, okay? <laughs> My sister-in-law is a professional photographer. I know what goes into those shoots. It's like, okay, the bribe of the pumpkin ice cream. There's so much. The tickets, you're not getting any. We're doing this before the train ride. Understand, you know? And it's like, smile! Ah! You know, and then it's like, got it! And then you're like, yes! And it's almost like your day's good now because you have this picture, right? That's wrong. That's straight up wrong. And so we need to be present over pictures. And I think once we realize that, it's like if you get the picture, praise God. But if you have the moment, praise the Lord. That's even better. Sometimes it's better to live the moment rather than post the moment. Right. And I think those, those are the things when you're not as checked in and dialed in and you don't have the access on your phone, you're not even thinking about that because one, you've limited your access. So I really say limit access on social media. Um, Be accountable. When are you going to do it and when are you not going to do it? And I don't recommend um, checking in and checking it at night, honestly, because I think that goes into your subconscious process and into your sleep cycle. And that can be, depending on the day, depending on the post, that can be very unsettling. 
Um, also, research has just shown that the use of multiple social platforms, you know, this is kind of all new. So just recently, dissertations and research are going out on this, but a study published by Computers and Human Behavior in 2016 found that the use of multiple social me media platforms is more strongly associated with anxiety and depression. No surprise, right? But even so, using more platforms is even worse. So say you're on five or six platforms versus one or two. That's actually worse because you're, you're switching all the time. You're checking Instagram. You're checking Facebook. You're checking email. You're checking Twitter. <sighs> I'm fine. No, you're not. You're so distracted. You're going from here to here to here to here to there. And that's where you'll find your kids, and our kids are our best litmus test because we're wanting them to do all these things, right? And if you're not there yet and you have littles, trust me, you'll be there soon. You're setting precedent and pattern for how your children will engage with technology. And you think it's not about you, but ladies, it is all about us. What are we modeling? How many times does your child say, and this isn't no shame, but just to evaluate. Mom, you're on your phone again. Why are you always on your phone? Mom, get off your phone. Why are you on your phone? Oh, there's always a reason. Oh, I'm texting. I have to do this. You don't understand. I'm using this for work. Well, a lot of times you've just switched out of something. Don't lie to yourself, okay? God knows. And you're like, you've just switched. Yeah, now you're checking your text and I'm texting, you know, Suzette or something. But I was just not doing that. And our kids do the same thing, and it starts younger and younger, okay? And so really working on letting, as Scripture says, your yes be yes, your no be no. If this is a time where you've said no to media, resist that temptation. And what is God's promise? It will flee. The stronger we are in that and the more we resist it, it really will go away such that we just don't even miss it. We don't. I, I was amazed. I thought, you know, I'm not going to know what's going on in people's lives. And it's true. I would see people and, you know, I didn't know they had surgery. I didn't know they had a baby. I didn't know. I did miss out. But um, we recovered. Yeah. You know, it's amazing. You do miss out and that's okay. Yeah. And that's okay. You but learn that you present, can survive. You realize you don't have to. You're genuinely then in the moment excited with that person about whatever they've gone through right. or you're genuinely sad with them instead of just the caveat praying with the praying hands three times, you know, because oh. one's not enough. Three means you're really praying, okay? The Holy Trinity of praying hands, just so That's you know. That's like okay? hardcore. If someone just gets I'm one, just I'm you, like, yeah, you're not really praying for me. Or the heart, praying hands, heart. Because it's yeah. like, I love you praying love. Okay, so there's, there's, a, there's yeah, an order of this. Kissy face is crossing right? the line. No. Yeah, kissy face Too is much. like, you're not really into it. Too much, you know? yeah. And so you've got to be serious. It's either the three praying hands or the heart prayer heart. Yeah. Okay, just as an aside. But those are the things that, that are when relevant you're with, aside. When you're with someone and they say, oh, I'm going through this. It's like, wow, you can be really present and all in. And I think sometimes when you just see something online, when you see that person, especially with rejoicing with those who rejoice, you don't celebrate. You're like, I already like that. So I don't need to tell you, you know, great job. You got a new house. You know, it's like, like, looks good. But now I'm just like, hey, how you doing? Like, wow, this was a milestone in your life. And, and instead like, of I feel guilty. Going, hey, yes. that was awesome. I feel like, guilty if I just like it. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I have to comment, too. Or else, mm -hmm. you know, they're just thinking I just scrolled and I liked everything I saw. Mm -hmm. And now I'm assuming and assigning, you know, I'm assuming their thoughts. I'm assigning thoughts to You're them. assigning value. And now I feel terrible about myself because I'm like, oh, my gosh, I didn't comment You're not a good friend. You're not a good friend. Yeah, I know. And I think those are the things that when you let it go and also when you disconnect slightly, this is the, this is kind of the mercy seat of staying connected, but not overly so is that you can be engaged in the virtual community without being enmeshed in the virtual community. Okay. The key distinction is how do you know if you're enmeshed? Do you check to check to check again? Are you checking, rechecking, liked? Are you thinking of your value or the eloquence of your post based on how many others agree? Yes or no? Key sign, you're enmeshed. Okay? If you post something, you're like, I don't even care. I'm not going to look till tomorrow. 
if anyone liked it or disliked it or has a string of hate hate uh, comments, which God forbid, but I mean, it, it can happen, right? I'm okay. I'm free. I'm engaged. I've participated, but I'm not enmeshed. Okay. If I'm drawing my emotional significance from what I post or don't, or who likes it or doesn't, I'm enmeshed versus engaged. So realizing those boundaries and that balance and realize there's seasons in our lives. And I know even in my own where I've been enmeshed rather than engaged. Okay. I'm in a season now where I'm focusing more on my ministry and my professional kind of connection. So I want to empower and encourage women through that venue. So I'm less connected with my personal and more engaged with my professional. That's okay too, but that can be, so right now I'm, I'm feeling good in the seat of healthy balance. Okay. But I know I could be enmeshed there too. So just knowing the seasons and reasons why you're involved with media and being willing to take a break and being willing to ask someone like me or a friend like, hey, do you think I'm a little, where am I at with this? What would you say? And just being willing to do that kind of 360 review so that you can be like, just like with the clinical anxiety or depression, am I good? Am I not good? Do I need a break? Do I not? And just say, okay, I looked at it. It's good. And I, I think that it's a great summary of everything that you've said today. Um, it's that taking responsibility mm-hmm. and being self-aware and then taking action. action. Yeah. So it is, you know, self-awareness is awesome, but it only goes so far. The real change comes when we take action. So taking action, getting hold of your anxiety, taking action, getting hold of your depression. Again, don't wait until it's clinical. If you're wondering, make an appointment with Dr. Nicole Fitzpatrick at the Hyde Park Counseling Center in Austin or find someone. If you're listening or watching online, call your local church, ask somebody, get some help, some good Christian Bible-based counseling because that's our identity. We said from the very beginning of this 2020 parenting series, understanding who God created you to be is the foundation on which you will stand to gain that 2020 perspective, enjoying today while planning for tomorrow. It's striking that, not balance, but really just managing the pendulum. And so it's just like you said about the social media, the stages of your seasons of life. It's managing that parenting pendulum, understanding that sometimes it's going to swing one way or the other, but our peace is found right here. And you were created you were, God's design for your life is to live a full life. And if you are not living that life, be self-aware, have the courage to say it out loud, and do something about it. Thank you so much for your time today. My privilege. We appreciate you so yeah, much. You. Um, yeah. So would you just um, pray us out? And we're going to pray for the privilege. online moms yes. as well. Yes. So All we'll right, um, bow your heads, guys. Let's seek the Lord. God, thank you for just being with us this morning. Thank you, God, that in you, uh, you have given us everything we need for life and godliness. And we believe everything is everything because you say it is so. And so, Lord, whatever we face today, whatever feeling, whatever thought, whatever circumstance we're in, we trust that you are with us, you are near, you are here. And you will unfold the plans that you have. So, Lord, be with everyone. If they're struggling with anxiety or depression, give them the courage in Jesus to let go and let you in, Lord. And knowing that when you bring that into the light, there's no power in the darkness anymore. And there is victory, Lord, around the corner. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen.